Well, good morning, Stephanie. Hey there, Joe. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How about you? Just swell. That's fantastic. It sure is. And you know what? This chipper talk show tone the network made us use is a little off-putting, don't you think? That's right, Stephanie. Super off-putting. Should we stop? I don't think I can, Joe. I'm trapped in this voice now. Well, then let's just start the show. Nine-nine, Joe. Nine-nine. Welcome to Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the podcast. I'm Mark Evan Jackson. I play Kevin. Today on the show, we're going to be focusing on season five, as well as everyone's favorite annual episodes, the Halloween heists. We'll chat about their origins, how they got shot, and particularly discussing season five's Halloween, where there's a special ending that deviates from the usual heist format. With us today to discuss that and more are co-executive producer and editor Courtney Carrillo, co-executive producer and writer David Phillips, and Melissa Fumero, who plays Amy Santiago. Amy, David, and Courtney, 9-9. Welcome, you guys. Thank you. Uh, We're talking about heists. Uh, Courtney, you've been around since the early days, day two, as it were. Yeah, since uh, everything but the pilot I've been around for. And where did the notion of these heists come from? Um... Don't really know. I edited the first one and I, you know, I think definitely season one, it wasn't a thought that they would be a recurring episode every year. But when it came in, I think it was episode, I want to say seven. I know Dean Holland directed it. Okay. And, um, and it was just such a good episode when it came in and everybody was very excited about it. So I think after, after that, it was just kind of a thought that like, oh, let's, let's keep doing these. These are really fun. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was always Halloween episodes. I think growing up as a kid, um, I remember the Roseanne Halloween episodes oh, yeah. were always like really fun. So I think for me, I just liked um, <laughs> the excitement of, of a Halloween episode. There's a, a skipping ahead, but um, in the, the Cinco de Mayo one that aired this past season, um, Peralta says a hilarious line of like, Cinco de Mayo heist makes just as much sense as a Halloween. There's nothing in- inherent about Halloween. It yeah. says heist. Like, yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's uh, you know, that they, they both start with H, but I guess that's enough reason. Yeah. I remember starting in season two and coming in as a writer and uh, it was like a given that we were doing a Halloween heist. By that I was point. Like, I was like, but it was very funny because it was just said, it was like, okay, so we know we're doing the heist. And I'm like, wait, what? Did I remember? <laughs> I, I remembered all the episodes and I somehow didn't even think of it as like this tent pole. And there oh, was yeah. all this thing. I'm like, oh, that is cool. It was like then explained to me. I'm like, oh yeah, that would be fun mm-hmm. that we would do this over and over. They had the idea for it already. So I was like, great. We just, have, I don't have to help with that at all. You guys already figured it out. Is it different shooting heists? Is it a, is it a, you know, it feels like there are a lot of locations. It seems like it's a rule that somebody has to fall through a ceiling or burst through a ceiling. or <laughs> Yeah, there is there, always but. like a ceiling gag. Yeah. Um, they have become more of a thing, I feel like, each season. Mm-hmm. Um, although the first one, and I watched the first one recently, and it was so fun to go back and watch because um, – like the pace of the show is so different. It's a lot slower. Back then it was slower. Yeah. Okay. And then compared to, like it was interesting watching it again, having now seen all the heists. Because I was like, oh, it's so simple. There's just like kind of one guy, like Jake falls through the ceiling. There's like one, you know, um, misdirect. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the the reveal is that the squad helped him and that he d- didn't do it on his own. Right. And like there's that, 
you know, but so there's just one gag of showing everyone playing their part instead of like that now happens, I feel like, a million times during heist episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to go through the ceiling on like a, That's you right. know, on a harness. You were on a Mission Impossible harness. I was on a Mission Impossible and I geeked out so hard. I have a video that Andre Brower shot <laughs> from that and like, pr- like wardrobe printed out pictures for me of like, it was a moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's um, it's such a fun episode. So yeah, every year as they got more complicated, I think I feel like around season three, maybe it was like oh Halloween. And then every year it was like, Oof, get ready for Halloween next week. Like when we shoot, yeah, because it's long shoot. Mm-hmm. It's longer shoots, I would guess, because it's more locations. It's um, it's tons of cutaways, right? It's more a than lot a lot of little pieces, yeah. like for like. And I think you know David could talk about this more, but. Every year, it's kind of one-upping the previous year. So, you know, that's more Like the handmaids took, like, so long to shoot. Like, (laughs) or the pizza guys, like, all that stuff. Those chaos sequences would seem, yeah. Uh, It's also probably, it's literally just being like, oh, we need an insert of this and that. And all. it's just so mm -hmm. many different setups. Yeah, like in Halloween, there's the Holt doing the pedals underneath the desk. Mm -hmm. And then they had to build a whole thing of the The server. Yeah, of the cables going through the wall. That was a whole different set piece that they had to build and film. And then literally lifting up that server, they had to rig that to be, sure. you know, kind of go up in the air. And um, Yeah. So season one, the the object of the heist is Captain Holt's Medal of Valor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. in a In a frame, I guess, on the wall. Uh, Peralta wins that one with the help of the crew, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and they determine that the the thing that the person has to say is that the person is an amazing detective slash genius early on. Uh, season two, it's Holt's watch. Holt wins that one. That's mm-hmm. what the, there's a pickpocket. Um, and that's where I think a lot of the lore of this gets established, right? Because it's like, you, I've been planning this for months. Then you're late because I've been after this for a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, that's a really fun element to these. I mean, and it gets further, yes. furtherly absurd, right? And it's also where we established that Jake didn't know New York was by water. A joke that stayed in the episode. <laughs> He's at the oh top of a fence, right? I forgot about that. I remember that. really rooting for that joke to get in, uh, <laughs> stupidly as a new writer on a show, being like, yeah, our character should be this dumb. Uh, and it was it made me laugh very hard. He's at the I top of a fence it. with with barbed wire yes. over it, getting <laughs> yeah. into the junkyard. Or He's the, doing the, all the things that I think most uh, people hate, which is a character talking to themselves, which humans don't do, <laughs> and says something so much dumber than what a human would say. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very funny, and I don't think any—I don't know. Is that crazy? It is crazy, right? It is, but, no it's, yeah. but it's funny. It's very funny. Anyway, I mean, sorry. given that Brooklyn is, like, on three <laughs> yeah. sides, yeah, I mean, it's basically a never peninsula. left. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, he's a cop, and he's a great cop. <laughs> uh, you're, you're saying cop raises an issue, like— Mm. These are this is one day per year where very little crime fighting <laughs> yeah. seems to take place. Yes, that yeah. is also a thing. Yeah, I mean, that, does that get talked about? We have, I forget, it comes up every time, <laughs> and it's thank God it's no longer as much of an issue. But yeah. the first couple of years, it was like we need to establish that they've all been given the day off and all of that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it's like uh, the fans don't care anymore. I think we all know that they're great cops, and we're imagining this day to like live inside of 
a fake reality, I would say. Well, in the first Halloween, the Amy and, and Charles are working. Yeah. And working that my whole oh, storyline right. is a, working a, undercover a, a until a warehouse party or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah when Amy eggs, like hates Halloween, and then that bit was like quickly dropped in in favor of the heists. You know what stood out to me in that? Episodes. You shot that rave scene. Is like there are a billion background actors in that thing. Yeah, like it, there was a balcony. There was a, yes, like that was pretty it intense. Was a, it was a whole yeah. That was a whole thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and trying to get the that joke of the thing, the liquid following on me and. I remember, yeah, being like, I don't know how to tell this joke. Like season one, <laughs> like still trying to figure things out. You nailed it. You found it. <laughs> season three, the goal is a crown. That's the one with the laughing, scary witch statue in the break room that's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, Written but, by David Phillips. Oh, yes. Is that right? Yes, it's Very true. Nice. You know, I, I can remember everything about that script. <laughs> is that true? A perfect script. Uh, <laughs> I I mean, I would say that when you when you write an episode, it doesn't mean that you wrote every word, but it means that you were along for the entire process. Sure. So I have a memory of the process of breaking it more than necessarily, not every, not every episode, but most. But I, I don't remember the, every single detail now. Um, but I, yeah, it was... It was a lot. That was a crazy episode because I don't think people think of it that much in the lore, but it broke a thing that we didn't know we were going to do, which is, is it going to be a Holt-Jake thing forever? And, or is it going to be where every, another person wins? And, or is it going to be where we don't, the heist is broken and there's only going to be a th- the best of three, you know, there was right. a lot on the table yeah. that made it a very hard one to break is all it was. It was just like, yeah, and credit and and credit to the writing site. Rewatched all the Halloween episodes like yesterday. Um, when I started watching that one in the very beginning, when no one picks Amy, I was like, "Oh man, it's kind of like looking back, like it's obvious that yeah. she wins it." <laughs> but then once you get into it in the story, and like they're so mean to her, and you're just kind of you, then you you buy it for like a really long time. She goes to Jake and says, "You hurt my feelings." Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, that's really smart." Like, and you'd been dating in this one a month or two, right? Is that yeah? We were like a newish new. couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, there was goes, that joke goes, about, "I love you, I love you," and then. Will you marry? Yeah, and I'm like, that stop was, it. It was the prequel to Halloween. It was he yeah. proposed the first time he ever proposed. Two years earlier, though. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. true. Uh, there's a very funny thing in this episode. Uh, this is the one where Amy uh, pretends to be the janitor and goes and gets the crown out of the garbage can. Uh, and you, uh, you're the only one who sends Christmas cards or whatever to every member of staff. So <laughs> is it Lou, the janitor or somebody? Yeah. You give this address. It's 16 floors up. Who is the woman at the six at the door at the sixteenth floor? Do we even know who that is? Oh, that's interesting. We, it, at one point, it was Kylie, Amy's oh. only friend, and then we lost that detail, and I forget why because it wasn't right. Because no. we meet her, right? Right? Yeah, yeah, we meet Kylie I later, think but we. I don't, you never say. We but never said. Rewatching I think we, it, yeah. it's interesting that it's like a Latino woman. So I was like, oh, that's her aunt or something. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> Sort of you know what I mean? I just assumed yeah. I was like, she she enlisted a family member. Like. Yes, that was, I think, where we landed on of like, it was cl- it's clearly someone Amy knows, but it was like, at, for a while, we were like getting into the details of going to reveal Kylie or something. And then we totally abandoned that. <laughs> Kylie but, was a mystery for yeah. so long. Bingpot gets said in this. I don't know if it's the origin. Where did Bingpot come from? I believe it was from the Another episode Chopper that I episode. was a part okay. of. Yeah, Trisha and I wrote that episode. Trisha McAlpin. Trisha McAlpin. Nice. And... Yeah, Bingpot was from that, and it was like a mess up, and then he uses it, right? Didn't he, like, it was like, 
It's jackpot and it bingo. It was jackpot and bingo, bingo together, but I, I now I don't remember. Or maybe it was in the room we were pitching on, and that's my memory of it. But, but isn't he just that he was trying, like Jake was trying to get Holt to say it, and he wouldn't, and then they find something at the end of the episode, and, and Holt finally does, does say it. Say yeah. it. Yeah, but I thought for some reason Jake says it in a weird mistake and then tries to own it or something. But maybe I'm I'm misremembering, but I do remember it being in the chopper. And uh, I could be mistaken that when it's used subsequently after that episode, it was never scripted, but it was kind of something that you guys would just alt on the stage. Yes, I think it would it would be a thing that would just be got on stage mostly. Um, Cheddar is in season season four's uh, Hollywood uh, Hollywood. Halloween heist. Uh, he gets identified as him. Uh, Holt calls him him. The the audience has asked more than once, "Is Cheddar a boy or a girl?" And it's always seemed uh, amorphous to me. But uh, Holt definitely refers to Cheddar as him in that. Although he does later say, uh, "Common bitch." Um, Gina wins that one, right? Mm-hmm. And becomes the ultimate human slash genius. I think it's where it changes. Were you going to ask us about the Cheddar thing? You're just pointing out how we messed that up. No, I, <laughs> no, I've, asked, I've asked other IMDb people, goof. and there I was like a cheddar boy or girl, and they're like, "Oh, uh, like it's well." To be fair, when please. he says that's not cheddar, that's some common bitch. Right? He's it not is re- a female dog, and yes. it's not cheddar. Okay, yes. we didn't mess up. Yeah, he's re- <laughs> it's a cheddar imposter that he's referring to. It is true. Cheddar is a boy. The uh, this whole podcast was just a point out. <laughs> really take. Uh, I'll skip ahead to season six. That's the Cinco de Mayo one that uh, Terry gets painted gold and mm-hmm. he's in the shopping cart. That's the the one fans would have seen most recently. Yeah. Was it always, I have, I have a question. Bring it. Um, because for a few heists in a row, except I think five, uh, Terry's like heist or dumb, stupid, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. yeah. And was, was that always like a little seed that was planted that he will eventually win one using that same... Tactic. I wish I could say it was. <laughs> so I will. Yeah. It was a seed. We were brilliant. No, um, unfortunately, we haven't planned out every heist from the beginning. <laughs> they are very hard to break, and we plan. We end up breaking them on the spot. But I, I do think it went into in breaking six, thinking of the history of that. Like right. I do think every like, character oh, that we then character. decide should win. There is a truth to we try and make it yeah. to their character and how they would feel about the heist. So, in going backwards, yes, we retroactively were like, "Oh, that that's definitely his attitude," and we definitely wanted to use that as his way of yeah. Roman numerals uh, always seem to be a part of it, right? Heist yeah. one, heist two, kind of thing. Um, is uh, Halloween is the fifth uh, Roman number Roman numeral five? Um, any significance? Any reason for that specifically? Uh, just finding reasons to not write just to try and figure out other ways to look at a <laughs> look at a title and come up with a fun way to title something. Right. <laughs> uh, I do think uh, there's more titles on our boards that have, because as you can imagine, we do Pontiac Bandit episodes. We throw the Roman numerals in there as uncreatively as possible. And I think it stuck for Halloween. And I can't remember, did it start with in the word? Did it start only in five, where we put the No, I don't v. think so. I think, uh, at least the, the way it's listed on Hulu and on IMDb, I think it's Roman numerals from the beginning. From the beginning. And then the ones that are in or the maybe word, it's Halloween, though. and then Halloween 2. Yes. I, I. It might I be think Halloween, Halloween is the only, is the only one, one that, that where, yeah, the... Yeah, I wonder, then it didn't start for any purpose as a Roman numeral, hmm. I don't think. And it is there a that. is there a model for these? Do you think of it as being Mission Impossible or Die Hard or Thomas Crown or, you know... Oh, that's interesting. Um, so no. I will say Would the score say? 
for it was uh, We Tempt in Ocean's Eleven Interesting. score for the first, mm-hmm. the very first one. And our oh. composer kind of emulated that. Um, not that that was the conceit on I, the writing I mean, end. I wouldn't know from season one because I wasn't there, but... Um, I would say all of all heist lore fits into it in a weird way. It parodies all the worlds of heists, but I Ocean's Eleven makes sense. I my brain went to Mission Impossible just because I felt like there were some so many specific Mission Impossible kind of things with like the yeah your harness. being the harnessed harness, and stuff the vents. But like, I, I do think it's all of them. But yeah, yeah sounds like Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. Well, that was just on the score. And yeah. another fun fact about the score in the second one. Holt mentions a flautist, yes. and you'll notice in the score when he's doing his explanation, our composer uh, snuck in a little flute That's in cool. his whole explanation. And I, I believe in subsequent uh, heists, when Holt's doing his kind of thing, there'll be a little bit of flute sprinkled in. Hmm. When when Holt mentions super specific things like that, are those real generally? Yes, it, like. The names of the characters, yeah. the people. Oh, nobody, oh, no. nobody knows I, the associate I, conductor of the whatever, whatever. <laughs> well, I was no, going to say, are they all say, just people that Dan Gore knows, or not, do you actually have to look some of yeah, them up? Yeah, yeah, we look them up. <laughs> and then also specifically, we're like, there's been a name that we've been trying to get in for so long, and we it finally happened in the Cinco de Mayo one, which was Eileen Moon Myers. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that has existed in so many scripts before Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> Why? Just, I don't know what happened, but that name... In looking up people, because we do look up people for that kind of stuff, and that name was so funny to us. But that's a real person. It's a real person. Yeah. And I'm and thank you, Eileen Moon Myers, for uh, for, for your a great name. name. For for some reason, it made us laugh that Holt <laughs> would say that name. There are words coming out of Andre's mouth that are just somehow ridiculous, funny without yeah. being natural. Like they don't suggest a joke and. He well, I mean, he says uh, that, and you're like, that's going to be funny. Whether mm-hmm. it's real or not, his pronunciation of caboodle or whatever. And, oh, caboodle. Caboodle. Yeah. Yep. And you're watching it on set, and you're like, oh. oh I but loved yeah, all I the Babysitter Myers. Club stuff that Me Rosa too. and Amy had, too. And there was – it didn't make it into the episode, but there were a few takes where we tried to sneak in, like, singing the theme song. Really? Uh, why are you staring at me as if I was staring at you because you, for you would have – No, not that I'm saying you <laughs> no, were responsible for cutting it, but you would have seen those takes. Yeah. So season five, Halloween – uh, the cold open is super creepy and great. Uh, uh, Jake and Amy are together. They're in bed. An alarm goes off at 3 a.m., mm-hmm. which is crazy. Uh, surprise, Santiago's already awake, right? Mm-hmm. She's way ahead of it. Awake and dressed, I feel like. Yes, already dressed. It's probably my favorite cold open of all the Halloween. I love that. It's so I was absurd. so happy we did that. Yeah, me too. It's so world-breaking and logic, <laughs> but in like a way of like, we've already gotten to this point. I think people will be on board. Yeah. It was so funny. Peralta's and the already read, it was so funny. Uh, he's got, he's made breakfast already. Uh, reveal. <laughs> Which like, the breakfast his has eggs are like in the bed. <laughs> and there's grease. <laughs> Which, I mean, there's like. There's so many ridiculous and, things and in the cold them. open. Yes. Yeah. And, and how did Holt, like, did yeah. he take them out and then uh-huh. eat them and then put them back in the bed? And, there's something just wonderful too. And he's just too. sitting there waiting for them to wake up. In my belly. In my belly. <laughs> <laughs> and Jake's reaction is just, yeah, it's so good. It's also good. The the glee, the 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 love that everybody of like it's Halloween. Yeah, you know, like, it's Christmas morning for this cast of nincompoops, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think Jake knew he was going to propose that day. Yeah, Pretty sweet. He knew months before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this episode's goal is a championship cummerbund. <laughs> it's a it's like a wrestling belt. Um, anything specific behind that? Is it going to change every year? 
I think it's safe to say, yes, it's going to change every year. That being said, if we come up with an idea for why it should be the same one again, we'll probably, (laughs) I'll take that back right away. But I do think that opened up like pretty much after the second one that it was always, we were going to try and figure the third. What was it? No, it was Cinco de Mayo with the belt again, right? No, no, no. Uh, It was, it was Scully's Scully's medic alert bracelet. Oh, right. Holt just brings in the official cummerbund because it was I think to gloat or something. Oh, that's right. He was like, the real one never got. Holt doesn't bring it in, by the way. Oh, yeah. Mm. He had Kevin bring it in. (laughs) Now, a perfect intro. (laughs) Now, do you switch over to your character as an actor as opposed to a host when we talk about Kevin, or are you... Oh, thank you for drawing any (laughs) distinctions between me as Kevin and me as me. That's adorable of you. I love the the play between Jake and Amy in all of these heists, but especially in this one. Like, they love each other so hard, but also, like, they are so competitive. Yes. Like, at one point in here, you were like, letting me into your life was the biggest mistake <laughs> yeah. you've ever made. <laughs> yeah, and we came up with that bit where he's like, oh, you're being so mean. Do it more. And, right. like, it's a turn on. I think that was the first time that we did a bit like that. Right? Yeah, it was definitely an alt. Because it made, <laughs> yes, it definitely was an alt. Yeah. And it made Andy and I laugh so hard. And then we just went on this like roll of like, oh my God. Like we, it was like that day we discovered something about Jake and Amy that was so funny to us of like them being just like freaks in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> just being this like sweet couple, but like also like slightly has mm-hmm. this like slightly dark side. And I think what makes it cool too is that they are able to get hurt. I've forgotten exactly what it was, but you said something terrible to him and he's like, fun take on a very loving relationship. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Come on, man, go mm-hmm. easy. Like, we're still man. Like, we're yeah. still together. Yeah, it definitely toes that line. Yeah, um, yeah there, which I, I loved that too because it was also, it felt like a callback to really early Brooklyn Nine-Nine when they were always like competing and mm-hmm. anytime that- For arrests like, and things. For arrests and things, like before they fell in love and that that's kind of always been a part of their relationship. And it's evolved, but- um, whenever we kind of have that with them, I, I, I enjoy it because it feels like, you know, the very earliest thing about them that mm-hmm. we learned. Uh, here again, Terry's out. He's got work to do. This uh, <laughs> heists are dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody believes him. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I love the balancing of the smart and the dumb on this in a move that's not unlike Jake being at the top of a fence and realizing that there's water near Brooklyn. <laughs> um, uh, that he says he's going to hang the belt from the ceiling. And uh, is it Holt that says, like, Tentalus is fruit? And he goes, yes, that's definitely where I got it. Not not the Nickelodeon show Guts, <laughs> yeah. which I had to Google. And it's real. Oh, it's, yeah. real. it's real. Oh, man. It's very funny. Uh, the belt is hung and the lights go out. Um, when I come back on, the championship cummerbund is gone. Um <laughs> Then it's a funny bit where uh, Andy rips open Andre's shirt and Andre rips open Uh uh, uh, Andy's shirt. Um, Hitchcock (laughs) (laughs) rips open his shirt. Dirk opens his own shirt for no reason. Like, it's just so ridiculous. And as an actor, like, I I watch things like that and I go, how many shirts did they go through? Like, how many takes? I bet it was a bunch. I think it was, but... We're very smart too. We usually save those bits for the end. So yeah, fire in the them. hole. Like, yeah, get do up them a to few that times. Point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also remember in the production meetings, I think they had the seamstress like on standby to be able to, if needed, quickly sew some buttons back on. Mm-hmm. I don't think they needed to because that's not, that 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 our sounds right. Kind of nail it in one take. Um, yeah, we wow. do. Wow. So 
You heard Pro it here, true. folks, yeah. on the podcast. I mean, the the episodes are basically live to air. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not even really written. The, char- the actors know the episode, I mean, the just, characters so well. They're in the podcast. They just are saying the words. <laughs> they just come mm-hmm. up with it. Yeah, we really do. <laughs> All of it. This one is JK. a particularly plotty episode, and it gets weird. Uh, Gina, uh, the lights go out, a screen pops on, Gina in a werewolf mask. Uh, says she's the defending champion. She wants them to assemble her her baby stuff. It's so mm-hmm. specific. She's just had a baby. She's been on maternity leave, right? And behind her desk is like our cribs and stuff. I mm-hmm. think, right? Yeah. Um, and they uh they get a clue for every one of those things that they put together, um, in a very Gina move that turns out not to be Gina, but she says Linetti Linaudi, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is just so goofy. Technically, it turns out that it was Bill who said that. I know. <laughs> Bill came up with that on his own. Also, creepily knows the squad really well. Really well. Yeah. Where did uh, Bill come? We've met uh, him seasons earlier. Guys, let me tell you about Bill. Please. Winston's story. Yeah. Winston, lovely. Based on you, David Phillips, lives. right? <laughs> Based on me, Bill? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Male <laughs> prostitute, I think. I don't think. Yeah, that's what I heard. No. Oh. <laughs> Bad info, sorry. Bill, and you hate to say this, you want to say an actor comes in and nails it from being a great actor, but he also just not only happened to just walk into screen and us immediately laugh without even saying a word because <laughs> we were trying to cast a Charles, a Joe lookalike. A look-alike. Yeah. And also it wasn't, we didn't think, we were like, why did we write ourselves into this hole when we did it? Because we're like, that's maybe not possible. Maybe this won't be funny. To find and somebody? Then, to find someone that yeah. will look like Joe in a funny way. Yeah. And then we, like, the second we clicked on him, it was, we laughed before he even said it. Just because it was like the reveal was just him walking in. It was for the fourth one, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 The one where Gina wins. And it was so funny. And then he also was funny in the delivery. Yeah. But, like, it was just to be able to, like, have that moment happen in the room where you're seeing auditions. It was, like, very hilarious. So lucky. And that, that yeah, that bit between him and Joe, you're like, I don't really see it. I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. It is. It's uh, it's specific. Winston's really great because he's funny as Bill, as himself. Yes. With yeah. The, with the Nutriboom yes. and the, multi, and the uh, prostitute and the, hey, man, it's your money and all that. Hey, man, yeah. it's your money is so, so funny. So creepy and, uh, like, uh, it's very odd. But he's also really able to mimic uh, Joe. I'm thinking of the most recent one when they're both dressed as Orthodox Jewish men and they both walk in in the same <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Hey, guys. And it's like, it, I mean, they yes. really are similar. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. He ultimately is a totally different character. He plays a dirtbag and yeah. like a weird homeless transient type person <laughs> that we don't understand at all. But he sells, <laughs> is able, able to embody the look of Charles in a weird way. That's it's really great. Boyle enlisted him and, and agreed to become a distributor, right? Yeah. And then Jake doubles it or triples it or something. Like he, he gets involved. Yes. I Wait, the, wait yeah. what happened was, yes, You've Jake. seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote the episode, and I'm trying to remember the logic of which they were stuck in Nutriboom. But it was that Jake has to pay into it to get Bill to play along with him in the To heist. get him to uncuff him from and the To get him to uncuff him. Yes. And that's when we discovered all the weird stuff about Nutriboom was in that Halloween. And I remember pitching on that. Oh, was yeah, so the much contracts, fun. yeah. And we learn about how the... Wife the has wife. disappeared. Debbie and Stubbelman, he has to wife say of David She's very much alive. He has to sign a contract. <laughs> and it's just very, those funny jokes made us be like, that would be just very fun if they do a whole episode where they yeah. uncover that conspiracy. Um, there's a fun <laughs> scene between uh, between Andre and Joel and Dirk. Uh, they come into to Holt's office and uh, they see a drop of sweat going down. <laughs> and it's just such a weird thing of like, you're sweating. 
Um, and it's, you know, I've had enough heart attacks or what, I've forgotten how that goes exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, Wait. and then Holt's reason that he comes up with of like a figure skater. It was a ride. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, was... pants rip or something. And it <laughs> might was have very... been a gymnast. I thought it was a figure uh, you're, skater. You're probably right. You're... And, but it was very erotic. And it was and, very uh, erotic. Yeah. Yes. He was excited from <laughs> looking at a picture online of a figure skater or not. But yes, for him to, yes, it was seeing Scully do some detective work about sweating based on the fact that he's had a bunch of heart attacks. So he knows when someone's sweating. Right. Like you can know when someone's sweating just by looking at you sweat. You can tell if they're sweating. Yeah. <laughs> someone's got to like weird. come up with a master list of all of Scully's ailments that we've. <laughs> <laughs> declared throughout the the course of the show. It's quite remarkable. No spoilers, but they're explored a little bit more in season seven. They are. Mm, they are. Interesting. Uh, they use Terry to lift it up to hide the, the belt underneath it at one point. And then it's Holt that's using this exercise wheel as a worm gear to, you know, elaborately, like, these people should be solving crimes at the time. <laughs> uh, instead, he, uh, nope, he's lifting babe. it up. We've decided it doesn't matter this day anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it really stood out to me watching these uh, these six episodes uh, in preparation for this. Like, the degree to which Holt has used cheddar kind of a bunch. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, <laughs> so much so that now if it were to be heist day, you'd kind of go like, where's that dog? Where? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Maybe I'd be looking around for the dog. Should cheddar win the heist? Oh. <laughs> Look, we're just spitballing. Yeah. I don't know. Is this how writing Should works? <laughs> Do I get a credit now? <laughs> um, Amy yeah. has uh, has gotten it. Uh, is this the episode? Was It was in your safe to do it like a little robot drive it into your safe, I feel like? Uh, like a, it was a remote oh, control yeah, car. Yeah, yeah. Remote control yeah car. that's right. Okay. When she gets it. Yeah, that episode was the most, I feel like, had the most misdirects. Like, everybody had it at one point, and, like, it traveled through so, like, the actual thing traveled through so many hands. But, yeah, she had the little robot that, like, went into the safe, and then that was, was that the handmade? That was the handmade Handmade Handmade's Tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. So, that's how they scoop it I don't know, up and switch. 40 actors dressed in red cloaks and yeah. white hoods, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And then I heard yeah. from a friend that season who knew a writer in the writer's room at Handmaid's Tale that they were apparently um, excited about it when it oh, aired. Oh, that's nice. Because they were some Brooklyn Nine-Nine fans in there, and they thought it was really cool that we – because it was like their first season and that we did a little – homage to them and I was like what it's just like fun <laughs> yeah. when shows you watch are aware of your show yeah. oh my gosh for sure yeah it um that that sequence of you know just a mob coming in it was explored once before right with I have a pizza for Raymond uh-huh. Holt or whatever. and the babies and in the season baby. one. Oh yeah we're all that's babies right. again doing the same thing over and over but if you <laughs> but that's the point but yeah. that's how you get away with also, it also that's how real people's <laughs> brains work yeah, they're like oh the i'll just world. do that thing where i get a bunch of people tradition i side note i remember season one because you know season one's new on the show and like ah, still like i can't believe this is happening i still feel like that but <laughs> um when we shot the halloween episode and we had so many royal babies mm-hmm. and i remember breaking for lunch and then like walking back to my dressing room and just seeing all of these grown ass men <laughs> in these royal baby outfits and then plus all the other extras that were in halloween outfits i was like oh this is like what i always imagined hollywood lots look like it's exactly that right yeah. just like grown ups in ridiculous outfits mm-hmm. walking around like 100% going to lunch i mean that and then i've it delighted in that every year when we do Halloween. It's how they depict 
uh, movie sets yeah. in movies where it's like, there goes a Roman centurion. There goes a mermaid. Yeah, and there was something about the royal baby oh, it's costume. So weird. It yeah. was just so weird. Most extreme. That, yeah, it felt um, felt very Hollywood mm-hmm. in the moment. I mean, it's when you stop and think that uh, the wardrobe department is designing and making costumes for every one of the detectives and people that are, you know, in the bullpen and stuff for mm-hmm. the Halloween episodes. And then all these, I mean, they've got to get a billion windbreakers from pizza delivery things. They can't all be the same yeah. necessarily. Like, and then a hero one to put like, you know, Stephanie in or what have you. Like it's, it's a ton of work. It's a lot. And it's always, I remember the, like, uh, my, it was the third one that I wrote that I was like, oh, wow. I, there is something very stupid, I guess, in saying like, oh, I wrote a costume, therefore somebody makes the costume. Like, I know <laughs> that is what's going to happen, but that's insane. That's crazy. That you that dreamt you, it up. Yeah, that you like any of these things that you're throwing out there, you, then it, someone has to make it. Yeah, like, someone has it's to make like, that yeah, happen. And then you do like, once you go through the production side of it that it, Courtney, I'm sure, went through as well, that you're like, it is an appreciation like that you're saying you have of wow, this is a lot of having to do this. Yeah. And not like you just said, like not just Charles's many costumes or whatever. It's also all the background that have these specific costumes. And yeah, I mean, even the pizza boxes we had, I remember yeah. in the production meetings, the discussion of like how many different kinds of pizza boxes should there be? And mm. I mean, it's just those mm. little details. You Anyways, I'm stupid. About. And I just thought that it just already existed somehow. I don't know why I didn't think of it. It's not your job. You're creative. You just be creative and people make it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not only props and costumes, but like that would be harder to shoot, right? Like you got to get different angles on that. You need to be within it uh, to to feel the chaos of it. I remember Handmaid's Tale took so long to shoot that I was uh, like – emailing or texting with a friend of mine who's like really into astrology and getting all of our charts done. Mm. That's my memory from, <laughs> from shooting Handmaid's Tale. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I would send my friend, I wouldn't say who, I would just send a, like a birthday and a time of day and a place and he would come back with like, and then we were reading them for fun and they were all very spot on. So mm. this is how you get into your character. Yeah. This meth, very method sitting mm-hmm. around. Yeah. <laughs> kind of is. If you think about it. <laughs> it is. <laughs> to set up this clip, the squad has been competing for a championship belt, Cumberbund, inscribed with the words amazing human slash genius in the annual Halloween heist. After the belt gets stolen from person to person, Jake eventually takes control using a Handmaid's Tale-style distraction, where he steals the belt from Amy and sends everyone out of the precinct on a wild goose chase. Jake secretly stays behind and goes to where he hid the real belt in the evidence locker, only to find Amy there waiting for him, seeing through his entire scheme and finding the belt herself. The only problem is, the belt has something different inscribed on it. It says, Amy Santiago, will you marry me? I'm so confused. I don't know what's happening right now. I'm so confused. I don't know what's happening right now. Title of your sex tape. Oh my God, I'm shaking. I'm definitely going to cry. Title of your sex tape. Wait, is this really happening? Is this part of the heist? If this is part of the heist, I will dump you so hard. No, please, Ames. Like, it's really happening, okay? It's not part of the heist, I promise. This is real. It is? Yeah. Okay, here goes. Ames, I love you. I love how smart you are. I love how beautiful you are. I love your face, and I love your butt. I should have written this down first. No, no, it's okay. Go on. I love how much you pretend to like Die Hard. I like the second one. You don't have to. Okay. Yeah. You're kind, and you're funny, and you're the best person I know, and the best detective. 
Also, for reals, I love your butt. I love yours, too. Gross. <laughs> Amy Santiago, will you marry me? Jake Peralta, I will marry you. <laughs> I love you so much. Hey, jerkos! This little tramp escaped, so that ought to teach... Did you just... Mm-hmm. And did you say... Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I remember they had a whole stunt pad like ready for Joe because he was going to do like a real big pratfall. And then Joe was just so good. Take after take. They were like, we don't need it. We don't need to do that version. Never mind. It's it's wonderful that this very sweet moment, this moment that's been teased for seasons and seasons is most meaningful to Charles Boyle. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, he's so emotional about it. Yep, a thread that, that continues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, was this shot any differently because it was intimate? Were there fewer people on set or in your eye line, or was it any different in the, in the yeah. evidence room? Yeah, there, there, there were. There was, there was less people in the evidence room. It was just, like, who needed to be there. And I remember feeling like before we shot, I was excited to shoot it. And then I got like a little nervous before because there was this general like vibe of excitement. Yeah. Um, like people from the production office had come down to watch really? it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There was, it was a whole thing in it Village because like Dan and I made a point to come down. and cause Yeah. Dan, there was a lot Dan, of people in Village. Yeah. Like, yeah, people would come down to watch it. And so I was like, oh, my God, this is – like so it was so meaningful to me but you're like oh it's so meaningful to everyone down to like the camera people and just you know yeah um so it it was this energy of everyone feeling like everyone was very locked in to this moment um which ended up also making it just one of those things that I'll never forget shooting like that feeling of yeah. just being in it and feeling like Andy and I were both in flow and and then everyone was like rooting for us to like nail it and yeah that sort of weird synergy thing that happens once in a while during a special scene on set um definitely happened and yeah and i think we did it a, um a bunch of times and then we started playing with it because we had talked about trying to insert things that were specifically Jake and Amy. Like, Andy came up with the Die Hard bit. He was mm-hmm. like, something about Die Hard. Maybe mm-hmm. we can make a joke. And um, and so then we did, like, kind of a bunch of alts. And It's so deftly executed. Like, because it's such a meaningful and wonderful thing. And to slip in the sex tapes and to slip in the, you don't, you don't have yeah. to. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a, yeah, and the sex tape were really like, the first feat. sex tape came up in season one. So it was like, oh, you kind of, you have to have a sex tape joke. But I think that was always scripted. I think it was. But there are two. It was. He does one about you, and, and you do one about one. him. Yeah. Like it's yeah. and it, and then this very emotional, lovey scene continues yeah. seamlessly. It's it's difficult to achieve. It's really well done. Oh, thank you. And the way you guys look at each other is pure magic. Oh, we're friends. We like each other. <laughs> um, Andy was so good in that scene too that yeah, he just made my job very very easy that day. Um, yeah, he's got those big old doe eyes mm-hmm. and. Melissa's heard this story before, uh, and so have some of the listeners, I suppose. But um, we did a panel at UCB uh, for Emmy consideration <laughs> a couple of years ago that I moderated. And a woman in, in like the second row of the audience said to Andy as part of the Q&A, will you please look at me the way that you look at Melissa as Jake to Amy? 
And he was like, I, I, I don't know. And uh, she was like, please. And he did it. And she burst into tears. Oh, my God. <laughs> True story. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I got to ask him to do that to me. It's, it's, it's remarkable. It's powerful, it man. man. It's does powerful. It. Yeah, do when it he does command. it. Yeah. yeah. And both of you, when, when, you turn, when you read the, the belt and go, what? And turn and he's down. Like, those yeah. eyes. Like, yeah. That's that's red hot love coming in your direction. Mm-hmm. It's very sweet. Yeah, it's yeah, really it's, great. yeah. You have to be, you know, dead inside not to feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I also remember there was a bunch of conversation about and like how to play the reading of the belt too. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I have a memory of that being a thing. No, it definitely was because I kind of poured through all the takes to kind of see what the right one was, uh-huh. which one felt the best. And yeah. I don't remember how we landed on that one, but it felt like you finding it in, you know, finding it yeah. in that moment felt right. Yeah. I don't remember um, why, but it was something about that moment that was, like, hard for me to figure out. Or I just remember us discussing it a lot and then doing it, like, yeah, a bunch of different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a lot of discussion even before that on, like, whether it should say, will you marry me on the belt, or do you want to hear – Jake say it first or whatever and like it maybe just, that was it too or um, do you want to see it like yeah, on or, the belt or yeah I think yeah. maybe that was there part was a of lot of weird and this was I think the first idea and how it was going to be and it always is like sometimes it just always you can overthink something and there is just like sure. the natural like you read it and because I agree that reveal of him on his knee because I think the concern is always like is the reveal going to work? Right. Right. Uh, if you've already heard it and whatever, but it is. It was like mm-hmm. really nice. It was well, well, what's done. nice, I think, uh, about this one in particular is that, yes, the, the turning and seeing him on his knee is like, oh, forget the heist. <laughs> yeah. Heist over. Like, <laughs> yeah. Heist over. This is happening. This very, and then, of course, uh, Santiago's checking in and going, like, wait, is this, wait, if this isn't real, <laughs> I'm going to murder you dead. <laughs> yeah. um, but the, uh, the thing that's so great is when he's like, maybe you should read the inscription on that there belt, that feels like heist. Yes. So like, oh no, is this not the real belt? And then you read it and it's like. It's such a good oh, reveal. It really doesn't man. give it away till the very last second. Yeah. 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 And then great. at the wedding, you do something similar, right? You're like, there's a bomb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your butt is the your bomb. Is the bomb. <laughs> there will be no survivors. <laughs> <laughs> You're my <Yeah>. dream girl. <laughs> yeah. Through like tears. <laughs> yeah. Through. Which made That's me laugh. what made him cry. Like, yeah. <laughs> The thing that makes Jake cry is that moment. Oh my god, and it made me laugh like every Very take. Funny. Yeah, I and wish we had um, brought back "You're Boring" some more. Yeah, you forgot about "You're Boring." Every time you slam someone in a very like, uh, <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> David Phillips, Courtney Carrillo, Melissa Fumero, your butts are the bomb. There will be no survivors. Oh, that's why you brought it up no. for that fun ending. No, it's a great. You test. just came up with it like that, yeah. man. He's good. That's why he does it. Yeah. Mark Evan Jackson, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, your butt's pretty great too, my man. <laughs> Kevin and Holt should renew their vows. <laughs> All right, man. You heist During a Halloween show. heist? <laughs> Attention listeners, this is not Raymond Holt. This is Andre Brower. And this is Stephanie Beatriz. While it may be difficult to tell us apart from our characters by voice alone... Not that hard for me. It is important you know that this is not Holt speaking. I think they get it, Andre. Very well. We are your official Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the podcast intermission and or mid-show bumper announcers and or palette cleansers. Yep, that is our official title. It is. We are here to inform you that the podcast is not over. Please stay tuned. 
Nine, nine. nine. For our next segment of today's episode, we're going to be doing a real deep dive into all the production elements that you rarely hear about in behind-the-scenes talks. If you're a fan who loves knowing about the inner workings of television, this is the segment for you. We're going to be discussing costumes, set design, art direction, and all the props the show utilizes. With us for this chat is Alexis Jacks, the costume supervisor on the show since the pilot, recently up to costume designer since season six, Walter Eckert, art director since the show's second season, and Chris Call, the show's property master from seasons one to five, and most recently for season seven. Chris, Walter, and Alexis, welcome. Hey. Thanks for being here. Hello. This is exciting. Oh, we have a lot to learn. Um... Some of this seems like it, uh, like it might be fairly obvious, and I think a lot isn't. Um, what, for instance, is a property master? Uh, well, a property master, uh, we're pretty much in charge of everything that uh, an actor touches and interacts with. Mm-hmm. Um, not set dressing, obviously, uh, like uh, set dressing furniture, and furniture things. and stuff like that. But any, anything like well, that you would normally interact with in your daily life—your watches and your rings and your iPhone and your computer and your pots and pans—every everything you know that is part of your everyday life. Mm-hmm. It's surprising. Some of it obviously is props, like if you're carrying in a briefcase or right. uh, a coffee cup or whatever. But watches, rings, and eyeglasses are part of your your department, Correct. right? Correct. There are some really interesting distinctions where the lines get drawn. There are, and and we do have some crossover there. Well, we'll work with the costume department because obviously you don't want to have some glasses that clash with somebody's costume or uh, handbag. Uh, yeah, exactly, and jewelry especially, you know, accessorizes with the wardrobe a lot. So we we interact a lot. We all interact a lot. It's such a collaborative effort. It's got everything that we do. Where does it? I guess let me start with this. Um, What is an art director? The art director oversees the look of the show. The look of the show. So, like, whatever the script says, the production designer, the art director work together to come up with the look, and then we work with everybody to push that forward. The entire look of the show, the the sets, the everything. Okay. So, graphics, props, cost. I mean, the paint on the walls or the carpeting or carpeting, paint on the walls, substrates, everything. Right. I, I've always thought of the art director as the as the general, as the the production designer who yeah. who makes the plan, and then the art director is the the oversees the it, field commander who makes sure that it all gets <laughs> yeah. done. That's a great way working to frame with it. lots yeah. of different departments. That's cool. And then what? Follow that tree a little bit further. Uh, under that becomes uh, like set dressing, set dressing and construction. Construction builds the set. Set dressing dresses it mm-hmm. with all the smalls and large items that props doesn't get (laughs) sofas and curio cabinets everything and do you tell the construction people what to build yeah we draw we have drawings that go down and then we oversee them fascinating alexis give us a feel for the the strata of your department you're a costume designer now you were previously a costume supervisor and then what else is uh i know that there are on-set people what else does your department look like uh we actually on this show have quite a few we're we're 10 altogether. Um, and we have three people on set that watch continuity and, um, four people actually also that watch the background. And then we have shoppers. So we get a script, we break it down, we have our meetings and then people go out and shop either. We all try to go out and shop as much as we can. Literally Um, going to stores. 
literally going to stores and also going to costume houses where they rent some similar props does the same where they rent things and you uh you do rentals for two reasons well if they're uniforms it's much easier to rent them and also if it's clothing it's just nice because it's well worn or if it's vintage clothing it's easier to rent um vintage clothing as well um yeah, and then we all come together. We do fittings a few days before uh, the show starts. A lot of uh, a lot of the regulars have closets, like yourself, uh, that we pull from. I play Kevin Cosner. And um, <laughs> so that it makes it easier. And also I think it's nice for the audience to familiarize themselves with their clothing and see it come back again to kind of create more of a character and – Whatnot. And you, like, as I say, you are doing some of the shopping at actual stores where people who are listening to this could buy some of the clothing. It's true. Yeah. We do frequently have a studio services department, so it's easier for us to pull large amounts of clothing and not have to return them at the cash register and make everyone behind you hate you. Mm. <laughs> um, but yes, we sometimes just go to regular stores and act like regular people. I mean, what I love about what I do is working collaboratively collaboratively with people and seeing like we get a script you know really a few days before we start usually a week in these kind of shows when it only shoots for five days we get a script about a week before we start shooting and we take a look and we look through it and see how crazy it is and then we all break it down ourselves and we all figure it out and we have two or three meetings and hash it out and all of a sudden it's done I mean sometimes I'll read the script on Monday and be like oh my god all this needs to be done by next Monday is right. that really going to happen and somehow it does there's a lot of nodding <laughs> happen, yes, happening in this room so at the true. moment uh, yeah. do you all feel that way yeah yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, I think that, you know, I always liken what we do to, and I've never been to war, so I'm not saying it's <laughs> you do. war. You're saying it's exactly like it's war. Like, you know it war. seems like war to me because um, <laughs> we are in the trenches together, and it is an impossible task every week when you look at it in the whole. Right. Um, we get scripts. You know, we're lucky if we get a script a week out. <laughs> um, and if we do, it never stays the same because it's comedy. I mean, I've done my whole career – either with features or one-hour dramas. And when I came out to Brooklyn Nine-Nine, oh, wow. the first season, it was shell shock. That's I mean, a different animal. It really is. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Because things happen quickly, even in a one-hour, but in in half-hour comedy. And you and I understand it because it's jokes, you know, and they, they change all the time. I mean, they're changing things on Saturday Night Live at, you know, in between commercial breaks. You know, and for us, we just have to be able to move quickly and stay light on our feet. So when we get when I get a script, the original script, I look at it and I think, okay, that's insane. And if it's something that's <laughs> like really big or something that has to be manufactured, I'll start putting feelers out. Um, because I know that by the end of the week, it's most likely going to change. It's going to scale down a little bit. And sometimes it just gets thrown out the window altogether and something new comes in. And the you whole have thing to, changes. Well, not the whole thing, but a lot of chunks, big chunks might change. I mean, you know, season, by season seven, that doesn't happen as much. Mm -hmm. But like in the first season, I'm, I, you know, we're all trained to react mm -hmm. to when we get things and to move quickly. So the first season, I would get a script and be like, boom, by Wednesday, I was halfway done. And then by Wednesday, it would all change. And it's like, <laughs> okay, throw that out the window and start again. So now we've learned to take a breath. You know, Monday mm -hmm. comes along, you might get an outline. Or That's a when you get a script or an if, outline. If, you're, if we're Monday happy, <laughs> if, we're good, if we're good. I mean, again, they're also very conscientious of what we do. Sure. And so if there's something like really big coming up, I will get, we'll get notes ahead of time. 
and they'll say, this is what we're thinking of, this is what's happening. And they know that we know that it's just a heads up. Mm-hmm. So just pre- be prepared, do your research. That's when we do a lot of trying to figure out what it might take to do these things as opposed to actually doing them. And then uh, as we get closer and we get um, a tone draft, I think that's pretty solid, right? What does that yeah. mean? Yeah. It, well, it's for the tone meeting. Right. Which is the Which is Friday before. It's when Dan, the creator, uh, sits down with the director and – I don't know who else is in there, first AD, and they hash out everything. And so that's usually the final for us, the final right, Friday that, afternoon. Right, that is when we know we're good to go. I mean, we'll get a concept meeting draft, and that's where we— Tuesday. I mean, sometimes yeah. we get a concept meeting draft, and then we have a a, <laughs> a department meeting right <laughs> after that, <laughs> and then they want to do a show and tell the next day. And it's like, okay, that's— that's where you go, this is the prop that we've built, or this yes, is the this costume is the that you've that asked for, or this is yeah. the, the, set, the drawing yeah. for the set. Exactly. It's about being flexible, too, because you, you really, go. you find something, and you're like, okay, I got it all figured out, it's going to cost this, and you start to put it in the works, and then someone calls and says, oh, we're not doing it. And you really just have to say, like, oh, fine, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, you really do have to move a lot on the fly. Right. Yeah, and, and move it, on, it's all it's, right. And it's also yeah. good for production, too, for them to give you a heads up of what things what they're thinking of, so you could come back, give them some feedback about how much it's going to cost, and they might modify it. Based on that as well, I mean, because, again, nobody wants to break the bank over, like, one joke necessarily. But but if it's a great joke, yeah. we're Maybe willing to do it. It could you know? be worthwhile. Yeah, so, exactly. you know, so and, and, again, that's what I mean about it being a collaborative effort. We're all working as one creative team that, like, how do we make this thing happen? And it's really about, you know, making it happen. It's like, yeah, what will it take frame. to make it happen? Yeah, in the time frame, you know, and we're all on board with that concept. The teamwork is extraordinary. And I think that one of the things that makes this so wonderful is that when you've, you know, rallied your troops and gotten your individual departments to create a costume or a prop or a a set, an entire location with bigs and smalls and Mm -hmm. furniture, and then they go, oh yeah, that got canceled. None of you go, are you effing kidding me? You go, okay. Like, no, we that's all not a, say that. Yeah. Well, we say <laughs> I'm, sure hearts, I'm sure your heart's <laughs> not briefly. Not allowed. But it's not, to move forward. Sure, but I mean, that's it's right. not a reflection on how well or poorly you did it. It's just the show needs it, and the budget needs it, and the time constraints need it. And everybody I've ever seen goes, okay, what's next? Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that really is the hallmark of, I think, what we do, you know, because a lot of people always say to me, oh, how do you get into film business? And, you know, what does it take to be in the film business? And it really is about being light on your feet and being uh, adaptable and uh, and ready to, uh, you know, let things roll off your back, mm-hmm. you know, because so much of it is like that. Just, for instance, in an episode we just had, we were doing a, 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 a housekeeping cart. Mm-hmm. And the housekeeping cart we got it came with these orange, like in a hotel, <laughs> like, got a, the like garbage and the, ta- yeah, and the exactly. towels and the little soaps and all yeah, that, all that stuff. So we had to create all of that, and then we had to hide one of our actors in it as well. So it then had to go to special effects and get reinforced and, and and made bigger so he could get in and not you know be uncomfortable and put padding on the bottom and so he doesn't get poked with a screw coming from the bottom. I've of the actually thing. tested that out. To yes, see if exactly. The guy would fit. And, Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And uh and then we had these uh, laundry basket uh, bags that hung off the end of the the uh, cart and they were yellow. We all decided that yellow wasn't going to work. It's a high-end hotel. So uh we decided that we were going to do uh I like think beige. Was, well, first it was blue. And um and so then we sent it off to Monina our 
Our seamstress. Our seamstress. Amazing Simonina. Yes. She's so great. She's, you know, very unassuming and she just toils away in there and um, uh, in her room with all of her sewing machines. And we brought it into her and we said, this is what we need. She's like, no problem. And so she's, we give her all the material and she's builds and she's working on it. And we're just a couple of doors down from her. So we're kind of keeping an eye on her because she seems low key, you know, it's right. like, I hope this is going to get done. It works on Monday and blah, 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 blah. And then we, I see her. She's off getting lunch. And I mean, okay, it's going <laughs> to TikTok, TikTok, it's going to happen, right? We're going to, and sure enough, she comes in and boom, she knocks it out. Yeah. And break. Well, I mean, a bag. Zip, well, zip. but you know, it's, no, it had to be connected they, to yeah, the they had to be cart. Had little and eyelets was a whole and, thing. Oh, wow. They yeah. were all structured. I mean, the, the the final product was amazing. I mean, she's a master at that sewing machine. Is amazing. So she had it right in time for us to do our show and tell, which is usually the Friday before the Monday that we start. And uh, and so the, everybody came in. They looked at it and they decided, oh. Maybe it should be beige because you know sometimes you don't <laughs> oh, know. No. Sometimes you don't oh, know no. until you see. You right. Know? Yeah. And so, and then then we had this cover on the front, and we thought, oh, we should probably make it all be beige. And we're like, oh my god, we have to tell Monina that we need this. And so we went down there and told her, and she's like, ah, they change stuff all the time, and yeah. she knocked it out. You know, um, bless her. Yeah, you've worked, uh, Alexis, with Monina for years, because I've worked with Monina yes, for years. Yes, we've worked with Monina for years on several different shows. Parks and Recreation. Um, she wasn't. Okay. She was on the end. So I think she started here. Okay. No, she started at the end of Parks. You're okay. right. The end of Parks and season, season seven when I wasn't there. And then um, she came over here, and she has been uh, with us. She can build anything. She uh, never – you never know if anything's – talk about – never know if any if she's worried about anything she just um she's great i don't know if i've told this story on this podcast yet or not but um uh you made me think of it twice once because of monina and second because of having to hide a cast member in a cart and push them because that happened when they came to kidnap me from my job it was an av cart yes got handed off between terry and rosa that's right on location and um uh when I was in that show, in that episode, they dressed Boyle as me mm-hmm. with the garden, the rose shearing hat and yep. my full thing because they were scooping me out. And at one point, Joe Latrulio's pants identical to mine and mine got switched. And I put them <laughs> on in my dressing room and Joe and I are different heights. Yes. So these came up to just below my knees and I walked into your office where yeah, you and Kristen Men were and I was like, is Monina mad at me? Like, is she okay? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, Human we've done error. a bunch of carts. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's we, true. we put Rose yeah. in the mail cart once. Too. Right, yeah, we did. Yeah, yes. it's true. I remember that that was happening. Walter, you came in in season two. Is that right? Correct. Very good. So you weren't there for the crafting of the bullpen. Um, but we've got a couple of standing sets. Uh, I wonder, do you know if the bullpen was specifically modeled after just sort of a generic Brooklyn thing, or are there allusions to actual things? They actually used the um, the Herald Examiner building Is that from right? the pilot, so that's the look of it. And then when we came in season two, we got to make improvements. So we added some blue tile, we added tile into the break room, we added transom windows, things like that, a lot of, lot of exposed pipe and conduit, mm-hmm. lights and things like that. Um, and then Shaw's Bar, which we added some minor changes to, not as much, some neon and things. Um, but yeah, it's fun coming into a show once it gets started, because then you get that chance to like look at it and be like, oh, we could do this to make improvements. Season one, uh, season one shows are very difficult. I'm sure. Just mm. based, I mean, the five-day prep, but then you're also establishing the look 
that's going to be the look for the rest of the run. So when you get to come in right after that and make improvements, it's it's really nice and it's a lot of fun. Two, <laughs> you have two standing sets at least, right? Um, I mean, I guess maybe it's a, would be a surprise to the listeners and maybe not. But obviously, the bullpen, uh, yeah. the you know where the desks are and the briefing room and the holding cell and Holt's office and the break room all exist. Uh, year round. Yeah, I mean, they sit on a stage. Um, Shaw's bar is uh, uh, one stage over, is it? Yeah, it's on stage 10. It's a stage over. And we set that is something we do send away and then set up again for each new season. Which is pretty remarkable because yeah. it's it's a, I don't know, 2,000 square foot bar. Like yeah, it's, it's a, a huge. It's a very large set to send back and put up once a season, but the guys are very familiar with it. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's a great set and it looks looks really good on television. It's fascinating to be back behind those flats and walls and things uh, and see, you know, hieroglyphic code of you so that you can put and you go this is this wall that connects to here and Yeah, it's a simple numbering plan that's uh, that gets put on the actual drawing that they've been using for 7 years. But yeah, I mean we've made a little improvements like when they needed some more space behind the bar, we bumped the walls back and added brick and things like that. But for the most part, those two sets haven't changed a terrible lot. And then there's a lot of permanent sets that we bring in um, as needed, like bathrooms and um, character apartments, and those get minor changes. Those are interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, and it again, it's amazing to me. Those guys are really like the unsung, unsung heroes. I mean, yeah. the, the construction and paint. I'm, you know, Because my office is right off of stage 10, which is our swing set, which means when we have episodic stage pieces that need to be built that's the stage that they go to and it, there are a lot of them like most of the time when we do hotel rooms and apartment building apartments and stuff like that that is usually built on stage 10 and they put those sets up and take them down so oh, fast your it, head will spin unbelievably fast and and everyone With gets really used to it <laughs> carpet paint wallpaper everything and it's just and they're beautiful yeah and, and they paint the floors to make them look like they're old. you know they'll put the floor down and all of a sudden they'll age it so it looks mm-hmm. like some old you know hallway and some ratty brooklyn apartment no and they really are unsung heroes because no one knows really even who they are but boy they come in and they do it and they make the show look fantastic it's yeah it's a it's good team so much fun to bring visitors to set uh i've had a couple of uh, charity auctions and brought people and you walk from you know outside where it's all concrete and very tall buildings through a wall and you're in darkness and you see you know painted lines on the floor then you walk through a door and it's like a portal and you're in the 99th precinct in brooklyn new york and to see people go like how is this possible? It's, it's I mean, really it's cool, and you still get that feeling as an art director walking on a set, even if it's season seven. Yeah. In fact, a lot of times I'll watch the show and be like, God, I hang around that set all the time. I sit in that chair. I walk around the set all the time. Yeah. It's kind of neat. What has been the like oddest, most difficult-to-nail prop or or situation in your world, Chris, that uh, that would might surprise us? <laughs> well, I don't know if it would surprise you, but um, a lot of – what we do, uh, especially on this show, um, and some of the pedestrian stuff, I, I just have to give a big shout out to Amazon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like getting it quickly and You're getting it quickly. I mean, because it has transformed my job. Because there are times when things will come up in a meeting, and I will be under the table, ordering it on Amazon, and it'll show up the next day. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> and, and then sometimes I feel guilty, and then I think, you know what, I should go out and shop this thing. And then you go out and you shop it, and then you go to a place, and it's like. They don't have it. Yeah. And then you go to the next place, and they don't have it. And then you go to the third place, they have it, but they only have one, and one is none. 
right. in our business. So You need multiples of most I, things. Yes, right? exactly. So I find that I'm spending way too much time and effort looking for something that I can do in 10 minutes in my office. So, But then there's that. and that, But that's you know like the nuts and bolts of what we do. But mm-hmm. the fun part of what we do is when we get to create things and build things out of nothing. Such as? Such as um, Nakatomi Tower cake. <laughs> wedding cake. <laughs> wedding cake. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because first we had to have like a uh, – a prototype when they went to the cake shop, and uh, and for that the Nakatomi or the uh, the Die Hard um, series, the DVD collection comes in a Nakatomi tower. So yeah, so we were able to get that thing and then f- cover it with fondant to make it look like a cake. Oh, and that's great! It, yeah, and uh, and painted it and everything, and then uh, had a, a little uh, a guy a little. Bruce Willis hanging off <laughs> and a little HO scale dude um, hanging off on a piece of licorice. Um, but then came the part where we had to have the full size cake. And then, of course, Cheddar knocks it over and starts cheddar. eating it. I know, I love Cheddar, all three of them. Um, and um, so, for that, you know, it, then it becomes about. Well, you think, okay, well, you just build a cake and you knock it over, but it's never that easy. You never. Know? And because you have to do take two and you have to make sure that it's something that everybody could interact with and it's easy cleanup and there's all these factors that people don't really think about that we have to think about um, to keep production moving. So we ended up building a broken uh, tower. Mm-hmm. In pieces, and then we laid it on the floor, and then we actually stuffed real cake into the shell of the thing, and it ended up looking really great. Oh, pretty great! Yeah, so that was fun. That's cool. Uh, That's just one. (laughs) Is the very large life-size golden statue of Gina props, or is that a different art department? That was us. Okay. Yeah, we had to. um, Wow, that was a big process. That was. Yeah, yeah, we had. We brought in a model to get body shape, but we also took millions of photos of of Gina. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, we had it sculpted. We had it hard coated. We had it painted. That's that was quite an endeavor. What is it made of? It's foam. It's just hard density foam. Okay. Solid gold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the cost makes it seem like it yeah. was solid gold. And it still exists, right? Is it yeah, still the, it, yeah. in the uh, on the landing? Yeah. yeah. Uh, stage 12 on the precinct set. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, that was a fun one. That, that was uh, under the gun. That was one of those things where we had to make something very quick. They actually gave us a heads up on that. And so we started it during our prep. And I mean, that, that sculptress was there every day. And I would meet with her every morning and we'd go over it every you know a little bit more with the hair here a little bit less there and yeah that was a big we worked actually with costume on that with mm-hmm. her costume shapes. We, yeah with shapes and everything and then the photo shoots so that we had every single angle yeah it was a that was a big project and then it was fun because then we got to do a gold terry that's right we could paint yeah. a terry gold <laughs> we painted the real thing gold and we sprayed all his clothes and then he we had to figure out how to get him in the clothes without cracking them and uh, and it's it like, great. then you realize you, there are things you can see that you didn't think that you'd be able to see. So in the last minute, you're spray painting his socks, <laughs> like taller socks, because right. he's going to be in a grocery cart. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole right. thing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's another, th- like, that's a, being on set is really fun to watch you guys go, uh-oh, we can see his ankles. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and somebody grabs their walkie and goes, <laughs> yeah, we're going to need taller socks and some spray paint. <laughs> like, yeah. And it all comes together. Yeah, it's and really that's remarkable. it. It's all about coming and being calm, you know, when everybody's on set. Because there's really two sets of us. There's all of us that prep things, and then there's people that have to do it on set. Mm-hmm. So it's communicating everything to them, and also so they know what to do if their socks are showing, you know, 
they need more gold paint. Amazing. Um, and I would guess, I don't know this to be true, but you had to create the uh, championship cummerbund belts, the yes. wrestling belts. <laughs> yes. And I would guess that, uh, so there are, I would guess there were more than one, right? There was the Correct. one previous, and then there was the one that had the inscription of the proposal. Correct. And you don't ever know if the camera's going to see it, but just in case the camera sees it, you can't cheat it, right? You have to create two. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Where do you, and don't say Amazon, where do you go <laughs> to get a championship wrestling belt? Well, there is a great, and big um, wrestling world out there. Mm-hmm. And so these belts do exist. So what I did is I, I found an existing one, and then we brought it in, and we uh, modified the the parts that went on the front of the belt, which were like vacuform. I think we did 3D modeling of some of them. Yeah. And, uh, and really? put them on and then matched the paint color. And uh, so that's, we did that five, right? Season five. I want to say it was And then it came five. back in six. Yeah. And I wasn't on season six, so I worked with the prop master because she called me. It was like we had to find that belt, where's correct? That belt and what do we, you know, how did you do it? And so we figured it out, and they redid it. So much of it is like it's some of it's hot glue, and and you, you know, know it. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that's got to be a part of it. But then you also just said like three D modeling and vacuum for like there's some really high tech stuff that goes on. Yes, one hundred percent. You know, because you have. I mean, a lot of things are held by. Uh, top stick and <laughs> yeah, top, yeah top failing wire and, 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 failing right. and yeah, yeah but and uh, but it all has to look like it's real yeah. yeah so on the outside of things they all look great but if you uh, scratch beneath the surface it's gonna come off <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe don't touch it too hard yeah exactly sometimes yeah. the property people do come up to you and go yes like, don't squeeze this. You know, like, they'll <laughs> tell an actor, like, favor, right, right, like, this is on its last legs. Like, please yeah. be gentle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that does happen. Yes. Alexis, uh, sometimes an actor walks in to play a role such as, I don't know, Kevin Cosner, <laughs> and the decision appears to have been immediately made. Let's dress him exactly like he does in real life. Um, but for <laughs> other actors, you have to make bold choices. And I'm curious where things started for the main cast. Like, um, was Terry always going to be in suspenders, for instance? Um, the suspenders, I, I'm trying to remember how they came along because it's this particular episode we're shooting right now. He's not wearing them, and it made me think spoiler, about that. Season yeah, seven spoiler. How oh, dare you? Spoiler. Um, and it was always, uh, I think for Terry, it was always to bring him to uh, a real kind of almost – uh, retro look of a detective wearing suspenders and yeah. he would never wear a sports coat because we want to keep um, Terry just in a shirt to show off his nice physique. Oh, and, is he uh, in good shape? Yeah, a little, <laughs> you know. Huh. Um, so the suspenders really lent, lent it so to his Cruz, character. Right. Never, never dialed that <laughs> in. Yeah, nobody really <laughs> notices. But you know. And how would you frame what uh, what Andy wears as Jake Peralta? I mean, it's it's younger, right? It's Yeah, I mean, it's, it's plaid shirts and mm-hmm. ties, which is a bone of contention and then he wears jeans which truthfully are the same jeans he wears in his own life oh and frequently will come to work and not have to change his jeans and he'll go right to work that's kind of great yeah he loves it holt is a character who is uh, by the book uh at work and and outside work um so he's going to be a uniformed captain like that's uh he's we mostly see him in his formal work uniform right yep and then when he 
is at home or when he goes to Shaw's bar because he can't wear his uniform to Shaw's bar because he can't be seen drinking in his uniform, um, then he'll wear a navy suit. So it sort of echoes what he wears at mm-hmm. work and he doesn't stray far from that. He's not one of those, I'm going to be wild when I get home. He's mm-hmm. going to stick to his uh, his work look. I wonder about Rosa. Um, she's uh, very stylish and uh, and often in dark colors. Our que- was it ever brought up like, is it practical for a detective to be able to run in these boots or that kind of thing? Well, surprisingly, her boots are are runnable. Are they? Um, yeah. I mean, she's got certain boots that she'll wear when she wants to be a little taller. It's true. Um, but she it works for her character, and I think that, um, you know, TV is a pretty magical place. So mm-hmm. People can do a lot of things in high-heeled shoes. <laughs> uh, the character of Charles Boyle is an interesting um sort of I love the character and the actor but a little on the schlubby side right yeah, he's a boil he's, he's a boil. actually coined an adjective <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what does really? that mean when you're shopping or dressing well he's very um, beige for the most part mm-hmm. or a derivative of beige brown good little butter he um, <laughs> he sticks in that realm sometimes he he spreads but he stays he stays very boil and mm-hmm. honestly it has really become his He's sort of his whole family is beige. They're and, all of that palette, and aren't it's they? so fun. Like we had one episode was where the we RV had the episode whole family. With the whole yeah. family. Yeah, when yeah, we were up, and... yeah, it was really fun just to do different versions of male and female versions of him. And and then when Nicolaj comes on, we sort of keep him a little beige too. It's fun. And then uh, obviously the character Amy Santiago has had a bit of a transformation because when we meet her, she's a plain clothes detective and uh and she's in kind of like trousers and jackets a lot like blazers right suits yeah suits, for okay. the most part yeah. she was in suits and now she's in a uniform which is she, so she became boring. a uh, sergeant right <laughs> yes mm-hmm. which is boring for us i wondered about but, that is it yeah. boring for uh for melissa um, I think so. I mean, you know, the police uniforms aren't the most comfortable uniforms. Sure. They're like polyester and sort of real high-waisted pants in a bad way, not a good way. And so I think she does miss wearing suits. Um, and we try to get her as casual as we can when the opportunity arises. Um, in addition to her wearing thick you know, uh, unrelenting and a police belt. And I, I was going <laughs> to say, heavy so duty police belt. Yes. And is that you guys? Because that's police, props. That's yes. properties, right? Yes. And the police belt is a big. I mean, I don't know if anybody's ever been close to one. Uh, I, if you have been close to a policeman's utility belt, I hope it's for the right reasons. Yes. <laughs> um, they're thick and they're leather and they're heavy mm-hmm. and they're full of accoutrement. It's like gack. Batman. Oh, gack's yeah. a great Hollywood word. You, what, yes. what is gack? <laughs> Gak it's is so it's it's a noun, right? Stuff, it's, right? Yeah, it's, <laughs> stuff. it's for everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like all this, all the gack, all this stuff that uh, you put on the utility belt. That's what it's called, the utility belt. So, um, and and it is, it's full of things. I mean, it's got a heavy uh, uh, magazine for your gun, which is we usually make rubber anyway. Mm-hmm. It's just. To, because you got to take down the weight of it because it can be very heavy, and they have uh, um, belt uh, belt keepers. They're called these little snaps that snap the belt to your belt so it doesn't just the fall. belt. They, it snaps the utility belt to the belt of your pants. Correct. Okay. Because otherwise it would just fall off you because it's so heavy, or you would have to have it so tight that you would restrict yourself from <laughs> any movement. That's why you know you know you cops don't want to have to run because. The, 
running with one of those belts would not be any kind I mean, of fun at all. They because they're very cumbersome. There's a pepper spray. There's a handcuffs holder. There's a, there's a microphone, right? On uh, the shoulder. Well, you know, well, there's show holster plus also the walkie-talkie case. <laughs> Is the gun, on your belt. The um, uh, there's also a pouch for um, your gloves. You know, mm-hmm. the, where the uh, uh, exam gloves. And um, there's also with the NYPD is a uh, taser, mm-hmm. which, you know, we talked about earlier about authenticity. Now, the New York City uh, uh, police taser is yellow. We decided to go with black just because I didn't want it to stand out. You guys hate yellow. You didn't accept yellow for the laundry bag and you did not <laughs> accept yellow for the taser. No, wow. we it kind of overpowers anti- the scene, you know. And you we have, have yellow. yellow in our logo, though. That's true. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Dan likes a little yellow. So let's talk about the guns for a minute. Is that you when it's a rubber gun? Because there are times that they have to pull them out and, yes. and even, I suppose, fire them at various points. That's probably a different department, right? Uh, no. Props handles all the weapons, whether real or fake. Mm. So, um, on this show, we've never fired a real weapon. No. I mean, whenever we've had to fire them, uh, we have this new thing now. I've been doing this for 36 years. Back in the day, it was a, a gun was a gun, and if it fired, you had to have a blank. But now we use a lot of airsoft guns. Interesting. Um, because they act and look very similar to a real gun. And then it's much easier and safer to put the gunfire in in post. The sounds and the, the, sound the and muzzle the flash. flash and exactly. Interesting. Um, so that makes everybody's life easier because whenever you have a gun on set, um, especially <sighs> in a comedy, you know, you just there's a whole mindset that goes with having a weapon on set, and everybody has to be serious about it because they, they are dangerous, even though they don't fire real bullets, as we've known you know, from past uh, tragedies that have happened. Um, you have to be very mindful of it. Oh yeah. And um, so on this show. Um, it's not usually an issue, but we as prop people are trained to handle weapons. And as long as it's not an automatic weapon, we can do it. When, if it becomes an automatic weapon, um, then we have to bring in what's called an armorer, who is basically a, a professional um, certified firearms, firearms specialist yeah. who comes in and handles those things. So props does everything from guns to puppies, <laughs> I'm put They're that responsible on my for all there of the go. creatures Gun, as well. Yes, which we have a, very a lot strange. of creatures on this show. Is that true? I didn't realize that was you. Well, I mean, again, I don't. I mean, there was a time when we used to be able to, if we needed a hamster, just go down to the pet store, Petty Woods Pet Store. <laughs> Thank in, God uh, for in, progress in uh, <laughs> Burbank, and they would rent us a hamster. And we would, you know, use it in the show and then bring it back to them. It was great. Um, but now we have a. Uh, uh, Animal trainers. Sure. Yeah, people who specialize in these things, uh, right down to a cockroach. Okay, if you need a cockroach, I mean, it seems like you, or a pigeon, you could just go out in a lot and get a pigeon. Not trained, though, not but union. But not trained, of course. Not trained. a union pigeon. Not a, they may as well be for what they make, <laughs> for sure. Um, so it's up to us, the prop department, to coordinate with the trainer and get them script pages and figure out how many days they need to train the pigeon to coo. And bring know. pictures to Dan and bring so he pictures can so he approve can pick pigeons. which animal or yes, exactly. <laughs> and time gets spent on that, right? One hundred percent. Yeah. This show, as you say, is often bonkers, and I would guess you frequently get scripts and wonder how crazy it's going to be, and the answer is all the way. Yeah. Um heists have to be large projects on which you guys spend a lot of time on the phone or email, right? Yeah. With one well, another. Some of our favorite episodes. Absolutely. We do a lot of events. <laughs> a lot of events. events. We've talked a about a lot of events. A lot of events. Uh, it seems like it's a rule that a heist has to involve people in the ceiling, <laughs> or at least falling through it. Yes. Right. Yeah. Falling through. Yeah, it. Yeah, we do a lot of events. Um, 
yeah, we've gotten pretty good at making them. We put cheddar through event. Yeah, we yeah. put cheddar through event. Yeah, Holt's oh office goodness. has vents. You built the couch in Holt's office so that Rosa could be in it. Yeah. She pops out and surprises me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do a lot of that. I mean, that's wonderful magic. No, I mean, and that's the thing with getting the script and you look at it like these guys do and it's like, wow, how are we going to do all of this in a week? And then it just all falls into place. I mean, everybody jumps on things immediately, but wow, it's it can get pretty pretty fast. Right. And they're really good at giving us a heads up, like yeah. Matt and Dan, if things are Absolutely. too much. I mean, Dan's super production friendly and wants to make make it all work together and for you know a reasonable sum. I just think it's incredible that it is as ambitious as it is for a twenty one and a half minute sitcom. Um, you are doing, there are, you know, literal and figurative pyrotechnics in almost every episode, whether, you know, the heists for sure, the weddings for sure, the big things like, but there are, there are very ambitious things. And by saying yes and working hard, like you guys all make it happen. It's extraordinary. You must be proud of it. Absolutely. Yeah, we are. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, because again, I mean, what what's a normal challenge on a normal day for a normal person, you know? <laughs> if you were to meet uh, a young person from Ostrander, Ohio, or Hammond, Louisiana, that, you know, is sitting there thinking like, that's impossible, I don't live in Los Angeles, how, how, would, how would you recommend they start? Well, um, I, I say you'd have to be in a market where films are being made at least eventually at, yeah, least. at least you know what's great now is is that there are many places in this country where you can get started i personally did not get started in los angeles i started in dallas texas very cool and then from there went to the pittsburgh market and worked there for seven years before i ever came to los angeles i i had like a good 15 years of non-union work um outside of the um los angeles area and as far as like getting started in the business, um, I'm pretty much started in the mailroom right. of what you would consider. Sure. You know, I started off doing as a PA on commercials in Dallas, mm -hmm. um, working for 50 bucks a week. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, all I could say is, is that, you know, the people who want to be in the business because they think it's glamorous. And then there are the people who just have it. I mean, it's, it's hard to say. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. If, oh, you yeah. guys know what I'm talking about. It's there's, there's this, a certain personality that you have to have that you're just willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done. It's, yeah. there's, it's more of a personality than it is any kind of skill because I went to one year of art school. Okay. Okay. And that, and, Nothing that I learned there. I, you know, basically, you sure. know, did a lot of bong hits and played back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you're describing college. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, and then I moved into um, the film industry on a fluke, basically, and I found a home there. And I've always been a creative person, so it was something that I was um, adept to, but was able to, you know, because we find that when somebody comes in new. If they have that aptitude, they move quickly sure. up because they're so far and few between. There are yeah. people who just don't can't cut it and they're gone. But so if you have it, you can definitely. But you have to be willing to work your way up. Like I know 100%. I started off as a PA as well. You do, and for very little money or no money, and you do everything that you possibly can do to impress yes. the people that you work for and to prove that I can do this. I know I can do this. It's. It can be intimidating, but you have to put yourself out there and you have to keep working up and keep yeah, working hard. Absolutely. And it's something that I'm 
grateful that I was able to do it that way because I've worked in many different departments. I was a location scout. I worked as a scenic. I I was an animal wrangler at, <laughs> on one crazy movie. You know, so I got to do a lot of different things. So I have an appreciation for what everybody has to do to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would have to agree with all of that. And also just, uh, you know, reaching out to people who you admire and saying, yeah, I'll work for free. Um Mm-hmm. And you can do that a little easier in film than you can in TV. But, you know, saying I'll just hang out and, you know, just do the grunt work. I think showing people that you're willing to do grunt work is mm-hmm. very, very valuable and, you know, not complain about it as well. So mm-hmm. um, there's, you know it like they were saying, you know, like we have new PAs that come in all the time and you just kind of know right away if they're mm-hmm. going to kind of be able to handle. What handle I find fascinating about all of that is that. The intricacies of the jobs are all learnable. If you're willing to come in and start at the bottom and and absorb and shadow and through osmosis and over the shoulder, all that stuff, every bit of, of each one of these trades, including acting for the record, are learnable. That you don't know it yet if you're sitting wherever you're sitting, that you're not there yet is not fatal. Like all those right. things are learnable. The mm-hmm. mindset you, that you're talking about coming to it with going, I want this, I'm willing to do what it takes is a choice. Right. That's a choice. And I feel like that's what you're describing is that people show up going like, so when's the wrap party? And it's like, the wrap party <laughs> is the is the icing on a cake we yes. have right. to bake, right? Like that's exactly. later. That's the gravy. Um, right now we have to do the work. And that that mindset, that outlook is a choice. Right. Absolutely. And, and I would also say to anybody who who's interested in getting in, I mean, we live in a golden age of production where you can make a movie on your iPhone. Today. Today, okay, and you could cut it on your laptop and post it to YouTube. So, you know, I mean, if you're hungry enough, man, I'd say just get out there and do it, you know. And if you want to, you know, use that as a calling card to then get into the business, that's a good thing, you know, because it shows that you have some chops. You realize tonight's Thursday, I get to see what take was used, you know, what what (laughs) angle they used. Like, that's the... I mean, it, that's yes. a double-edged sword. It, it, well, <laughs> it, I got to admit, though, it never it never gets old. It never gets old yeah. seeing your work on television. It's really right. cool, or seeing your work that didn't make it on. Television. Yeah, right. <laughs> I could do this for hours. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you so much. Absolutely. Costume designer Alexis Jacks, property master Chris Call, and art director Walter Eckert. Nine nine. Thank you. Nine nine. Thank you, Mark. Hope you all enjoyed that as much as we did. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the podcast, is hosted by Mark Evan Jackson. Produced by Grant Rudder. Edited and produced by Trey Booty. Written by Bo Rollins. With coordinating producer Beatrice Shaheen. See See you next time. time. Nine-Nine.